You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Last week, I mentioned that I will be in Canada at the end of September, and I'm really looking forward to this trip. I'm going to be in two cities, and... Today I'm going to be giving you a little bit more on that. Uh, first, we are going to be, and by we, I mean me and Timothy Bentz. And for those of you that don't know about him, he is a powerful man of God. Uh, we are going to be in Ottawa and also in Toronto. And so I'm going to give you the dates and just give you a little bit about what's going to be happening there from September 27th to the 29th I'm going to be in Toronto and that's going to be in Ontario and we're going to be having meetings on Thursday Friday and Saturday now if you go to bridemovement.com you're going to be able to find the location of this event and it's 22 Goodmark, Unit 19, Etobicoke, Ontario, M9W6R2. So that information is actually posted right to bridemovement.com. Uh, you just go there. And then before that, that'll be uh, September 19th to the 22nd. We're going to be meeting on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And that's going to be at the Richmond Agricultural Society, 6107 Perth Street, Richmond, Ontario, KOA220. And so uh, you can get more details on the website. Also, if you have uh, friended me on Facebook and you are on my Facebook page or you go to the Bride Ministries Facebook page, you'll see that I have these banners posted there as well. And so for all of our Canada friends, you know, I really hope to see you there. Uh, contact information for those that will be hosting the conferences will be on the website and also in the description of this podcast. And I'll give a few more announcements as days go ahead. I want to uh, just give a few shout outs to a couple of things. One, Bride Ministries Institute, that has six classes and we're going to be recording class number seven this weekend. The class we're going to be recording is going to be Inner Healing Ministry Fundamentals. It's going to really be a huge step forward if you are interested in how brokenness manifests and how to minister inner healing. That is a class that is going to help you greatly. It's going to be in-depth teaching on practical strategies, tools, and also working knowledge that's going to get you of some incredible results. We we already have the Advanced Deliverance course for those of you that want to know more about how to get deep deliverance executed and why the prayers in the back of the book, Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth, work. I also want to say that the book, Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth, is available on Amazon, on our website, on other websites as well. I want to thank all of you that have left reviews. That book is rounding the corner to 100 reviews, and I am just, just praising God. I want to say thank you to all of our financial contributors that keep this 
thing moving. We are so grateful to you. And for those of you that really believe in what we're doing and have been on the fence about giving, just be encouraged. You know, the Bible says that he who sows abundantly will reap abundantly and kingdom economy is based on generosity. And so uh, be encouraged. You can donate as easily as going to our website, bridemovement.com and clicking our donate button or you can write to us at P.O. Box 835-661, Richardson, Texas 75080. You are really going to enjoy my guest this week. His name is Kevin Ship, and man oh man are you in for a treat. We'll be right back with him. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, I'm extremely excited this week to introduce you to the guest that I'm going to be having our conversation with. His name is Kevin Ship, and I will tell you this. My wife and I found some of his videos a few weeks ago, and I was surprised that I had not come across this gentleman before in my own personal research, and we were blown away by the detail and the clarity with which he presented truth. And it was uh, really, really exciting. Uh, so I, I, I just got on my computer and sent him an email and said, hey, uh, we got to get you on the program. And, and he was kind enough to get right back with me. And so uh, let me tell you about this gentleman. He was uh, an internal CIA staff security officer Federal Investigator, Protective Agent for the Director of Central Intelligence, Chief of Training for the CIA Police Force, Assistant Counter-Assault Team Leader, Operational Security Team Leader, Counterintelligence Investigator, Counterterrorism Center Officer, International Information Systems Security Officer, a polygraph examiner and federal police officer. He was a Category 1 employee before defecting from the CIA and he's going to tell us why and a whole bunch of other stuff. Kevin, it is such a pleasure to have you on the program. Hey, good morning, Daniel. Uh, good to be on. Kevin, your story is incredible and uh, I'm going to just recommend to all of my listeners, you're going to get some of Kevin's information on this podcast, but he has so much that uh, you have to look him up on YouTube and find some of his presentations where he's going to get to go into way more than we're going to have time to cover in this podcast. But I want to introduce you, Mr. Ship, by just allowing you to give us some of the backstory. You know, uh, first of all, some people say once you are CIA, you're you're never not CIA. Uh, (laughs) How do you actually end up defecting or whatever it is that you did, and and what happened? What is your story? Well, thanks, Daniel. Uh, <clears throat> very few people come out of the CIA and expose it. They're either uh, um, <clears throat> done in on the inside and silenced, or, or something happens to them on the outside. Uh, since I was them, and, and I was at the management level, I kind of knew how they silenced whistleblowers and how they did this, so I was able to stay two steps ahead of them. 
And I came out to expose them because uh, when I finally got up in the upper ranks, uh, I saw the CIA engaging in Ill illegal activity, multiple violations of the Constitution, involved in some very dark things, some of which I can't talk about, and realized that the CIA is no James Bond organization. We wish it was, but it's pretty dark, pretty nasty. There's been almost 7 million people that have died, been killed in CIA operations over the past. He was founded by Alan uh, Dulles, who was almost demonic. He, he was connected to the Third Reich, smuggled Nazi <clears throat> Nazis from the Third Reich during the war in to work for the CIA, and that, that's kind of how the whole thing began. <clears throat> so I began to see some of that. In my case, I was doing an international investigation and uh, basically stumbled across what appeared to be a, a vulnerability where foreign agents in any embassy across the world could go into the system and identify our cover officers. Now, what that would mean is, of course, then they could target them, assassinate them, kill them, and any, any operations they were involved in. Uh, and this was the eye-opener for me, and, and that's when I was kind of at the height of my career. So I put together a detailed in investigative report and submitted it first to the office in charge of protecting that sort of thing. And I, gotta, I can't say exactly you know, the details of who they were, but within CIA headquarters. And uh, sent that, that uh, report over to them and, and said, look, you may want to look at this. This could be putting the lives of our agents at risk. <clears throat> so I let, I let them chew on it for yeah, it was about uh, two weeks. Called them back and said, uh, hey, did you get a chance to take a look at uh, my report? And the response was, uh, what report? And I said, well, you know, the report I sent you through internal mail channels, you know, the things that are tracked. Uh, we don't know of any report. We never got it. And I said, uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll, bring, I'll hand carry a copy over to headquarters and give it to you. So I got a, about a 15-page report with, uh, with details in there of what I found. So I drove over to CIA headquarters, walked in, walked up to the office, walked up to the desk of the executive assistants of the chief there, handed them with a buck slip, and a buck slip is a routing slip. Everybody's got to sign off on whoever sees it. And said, okay, here's my report. Get this uh, to the chief because, uh, you know, we'll see. But this, this could be very serious. Uh, uh, well, she gave me this kind of air of uh, arrogant defiance, but that's normal in the CIA. <laughs> anyway, uh, she said, well, 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 we'll look into it. And I turned around and left and said, man, what, what is the deal there? So I gave them another two weeks to look at the findings, called her back, the executive officer, and I said, uh, ma'am, what would you think uh, of the report? Did the chief get it? And she says, uh, what report? I said, you know, the report I handed you personally across your desk. She goes, I don't remember any report. We must have lost it. So I started thinking, that, you know, what in the world? Uh, so I had saved my report on the internal server inside CIA headquarters. I went in to retrieve it, and it was gone. They removed it and erased it. Then I got a, a phone call over the secure line saying, uh, Kevin Ship, we're ordering you to drop this investigation, or it's your career. And I mm. said, sir, this could, be, this could be putting the lives of our agents at risk. He said, drop the investigation now, it's above your pay grade, and hung up. Uh, and this was a senior agency officer. So I sat back and said, what on earth is going on here? Um, I gave the findings to my boss, who's a good guy, and he was uh, so, so happened to be at a senior uh, level meeting with uh, GS-15s and above uh, throughout the agency and other, and other agencies. And uh, Jack happened to mention to, to Jim, I can't use their names, of course, but Mm -hmm. uh, my boss had the findings, and he said, uh, uh, Jim, who's a decorated CIA, former God and country type who had, who had retired, 
he said, uh, take a look at Kevin's report and let me know what you think. So he took it back to, to uh, the seventh floor Department of State IG, and they looked at it. <clears throat> and uh, I get a call from him, uh, or call, actually Jack comes to me and he said, look, I gave your report to Jim, and, and, he, and he, he thinks there's maybe something there. Uh, he's going to call you. So uh, the funny part is I was on the secure line with my, my brother at the time, and we were kind of joking back and forth, and, and uh, he says, uh, hey, listen, i got to go. Somebody's coming in, in my office. I'll call you back in five minutes. So I said, okay, no, no worries. <clears throat> Hung up the phone. Secure phone rings, and I, I'm thinking that it's my brother. I pick it up, and I answer, Pizza Hut. And uh, he goes, uh, Kevin, this is Jim so-and-so. I'm like, oh, one of those Homer Simpson moments. Oh, sorry, sir. I thought you were my brother. He, he goes, uh, he goes, listen, uh, uh, I've had a chance to look at uh, your report. Uh, Senior IG has looked at your report over here at State. These involving our embassies. We think you've got something here. Would you come over to Maine State for a meeting? Mm -hmm. I said, I said, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Went over to State, sat down with them, and, and they said, uh, we've gone through your stuff, and we think uh, that you're onto something here. Uh, it could be serious. We're going to go out to, to embassies around the world, and we're going to see if we can hack in there and do this. And if this is really true. <clears throat> now, what I had done in contacting Jim is I had gone, since the, the CIA had shut my investigation down for reasons that, that are beyond imagination, the only thing I could figure, any of us, was that the CIA wanted that vulnerability there. Mm. They're, the, they're as stupid as a post, or they wanted that vulnerability there, and I think it was the latter. Who knows why? <clears throat> Maybe if there's a chief of station they didn't like, they could open that door and have him take. Who knows? I mean, there, I couldn't find a rational explanation. Sure. So uh, what I what I did when I talked to Jim is I went outside the CIA without them knowing about it <clears throat> to Department of State IG. Went over there, briefed them on my findings, and uh, Jim said, "All right, Kev, we're going to take this overseas. It's going to take about three months. Keep your head low. Don't don't talk about it to anybody at the CIA, and you get a call from us when we get back." So I, I, I let it go, and I said, okay, sure, thank you, sir. And I thought, ooh, I'm, I'm done with that, man. Went back to my, my regular duties. <clears throat> sure enough, three months later, I get a phone call from Jim. He goes, Jim, uh, uh, he goes, Kevin, now this is Jim. Come over to state headquarters right away. <clears throat> so I went over there, and uh, he advised. Uh, we did uh, uh, the investigation at, at multiple embassies overseas, and we found out that it's not as, as bad as you thought. It's even worse. And a foreign agent can go into this system, identify our cover agents, and do whatever they want with that information. Trace, track, maybe track it, track it down and assassinate it, basically. So he said, uh, "We're going to have a meeting with the CIA over here. Uh, would, would you attend?" And I said, "Yes, sir." So I get a call. Uh, Kevin, this is Jim. Meeting is scheduled. Main State CIA is going to be there. Why don't you come over immediately? So I went over to State. Uh, walked into this big long conference room. There's Jim, the two senior IG officials. And then the CIA, senior CIA manager in charge at the end of the table sitting there uh, looking like he'd just been hit with a taser. <clears throat> uh, so the IG proceeded to, to uh, reprimand the CIA for putting the lives of our agents at risk for over 10 years and doing nothing about it, and then ignoring uh, my study and officially reprimanded the CIA for this vulnerability. And here I sit, you know, I'm working for the CIA, and this is one of my senior bosses. <laughs> So I, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, okay, that we're, this is going to be an interesting career from this point forward. So the the uh, CIA manager gets up, and, and, and you could tell he was extremely nervous. And he walked out, and he left. 
Jim and, and the other two uh, fellows uh, shook my hand and said, great job, Deb. Uh, good job. We appreciate it. I said, yeah, you, thank you guys. You know, went back to my merry way back to the office. And, and then the fun began. Mm. Uh, it's pretty clear that, that I was a target now. Uh, to make a long story short, I wound up uh, overseas on an operation training uh, some people in advanced weapon systems. And uh, one of the students was just too good. Uh, he was he could hit a bottle at about 30 yards with a pistol every time and and uh, we went out for several times lunch and dinner and, and kind of hit it off and I sent a message back to headquarters about him saying look there's a new student that was inserted in our class and he's just he's way too good I get this uh, message back what the heck are you doing associating with this guy he's an international assassin He's got human rights violations, and I, I sent a cable back saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You wouldn't even have known this guy was here unless you put him here if I hadn't sent him. So here I am overseas next to an assassin. Then I find out that, that the agency hadn't even protected my identity before I left. So I was Kevin Shipp working for them wide out in the open standing next to an assassin who, who had all the, the uh, tactical arms I'd just given uh, thank God, apparently, the fellow liked me from our dinners. We talked about our families and things, and, and I really was concerned about the students. And I, he must have sensed that I wasn't your average CIA schmuck. You know? And he, he decided not to take the shot. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I read, read and still do read Psalm 91 quite a bit, so I think I probably had some divine protection there without a doubt. Okay. So I go back to uh, Washington, and they, they say, look, you're assigned – to this uh, secret CIA base as the second in charge, the, the ex-executive officer. We want you to report out there with your family, and we want you to move on to the base with your family so you can handle security emergencies and, and things like that. And I said, yes, sir. Uh, now, I can't say where that location is. There's a New York Times article about, about it out there. I think it's front page. There's one in the Washington Post that's out there mm -hmm. and several others. Uh, anyway, so we moved into the house, and within about three months, everybody started getting really sick. Uh, my wife came running into the kitchen uh, one day and, and she, her gums were bleeding. She had bruises all over her body. Uh, she completely lost her short-term memory. She'd lay her keys down and then, then five minutes later wouldn't know where they were. She got migraines so bad she was bedridden and they had to put her on morphine. My son uh, was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. I went to the, to the CIA and I said, look, there's something in this house that is, is seriously making my family ill. Uh, uh, please report this to headquarters and please test the house. The response came back, not only will we not test it, you will not talk about this to anyone. And I wrote back and said, uh, what in the world are you saying? I mean, my family is seriously ill. Uh, cable came back. Uh, we're not going to test the house. Uh, this is a sensitive facility. You need to drop it. The chief of the base took me in his office and said, you need to drop this and not, not report this back to headquarters. So Obviously, uh, it was pretty clear uh, what was going on. So, so I took, uh, and, and they called him Johnny Doe. Mm. Uh, I, and when I filed my case against him, I took Johnny Doe, my oldest son, secretly flew him to a, a well-known immunologist in the Midwest, went through three days of testing, and when it was all done, he sat me and, and my son down, and he said, uh, Mr. Schiff, uh, your son's immune system is so bad, it looks like he's been exposed to a burst of radiation. Uh, almost terminal. So I took, took him, flew him back and I said, all right, uh, this, this is it, game on. <clears throat> so uh, demanded four more times that the CIA come out and test the house, 
four more times they refused to do it. Uh, I secretly collected some samples, mm -hmm. took them to an environmental expert that had a good reputation, had them test them. Sure enough, there were toxins on, on those. Um, so after, after about three months uh, of the family getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and now they were in the house all day because my wife was homeschooling the kids. I was out in the office most of the day, so my lungs were burning at night, and I had to get up and sit in the living room because I couldn't sleep, but I was not as bad as they were. They were pretty serious. So finally, uh, the, the CI says, okay, uh, you have approval to hire a, a, a local environmental company to come out and test your house. And I was like, hallelujah, man, fine, this is it. So I call them, I set it up, we have it scheduled, it was a Friday. We finally had some encouragement that maybe the CI is actually gonna do something honest for a change. And we're, we're, we're pretty happy about it. So I called the environmental company Thursday afternoon saying, okay, you guys all set to come Friday? And he goes, uh, Mr. Ship, didn't you hear? I said, Did, didn't I hear what? He goes, uh, your boss called and canceled our, our, our study pretty much, canceled our, our environmental test. I said, what? He goes, yeah, they told us not to come. So I went into his office and I said, well, what the H double toothpicks are you doing here? And he goes, well, <clears throat> the CIA decided to use their own company to test your house. So we canceled that one <clears throat> and, the, and the CIA will be there tomorrow morning. So that night a black sedan pulls up to the house across from us, which was vacant. And whoever it is in the black sedan from the CIA is, is staying there across from us. And later we found out that our house had been uh, bugs had been planted in our house. Anyway. So the, the, the CIA so-called two, two guys from CIA headquarters show up with their so-called environmental testing company, which worked for the CIA, set up their equipment in the house, and uh, the, the C, senior CIA guy in charge comes in and goes, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Shipp, uh, want to ask you some questions about this. And we said, absolutely, come in, sit down at the table. He opens up his notebook, and I said, uh, and we had a tape recorder there, and I said, do you mind if we tape uh, this interview? He, he uh, got a, a uh, angry look on his face, and he said, I don't do taped interviews. Closed his, his notebook and walked out the door. Later on, in internal CIA traffic, he wrote that he had interviewed us and that the interview was favorable uh, with no toxins in the house. And that's documented in, in agency records. So he lied, of course, which is what they do. Uh, so the environmental company proceeded to test the indoor air, and they opened all the doors and the windows to the outside to test the indoor air. Now, I've got an undergraduate degree in biology, and it doesn't take a genius to realize you don't test indoor air with the doors and the windows open. So I closed them, and this guy says, no, no, you have to open those windows. I said, you don't test indoor air with the window. He goes, I'm ordering you to close the windows, and he closed them. So I walked out the door and said, we, uh, we're in a war, apparently. So they did their test, um, and uh, the day came when their test was finally done. I think four or five CI guys in a conference room, they invite me in. <clears throat> I sit down, they're all glaring at me, and they slide the CIA so-called report across the table and said, we found that there's no toxins in your house at all. Uh, you're, just, you're just imagining things. Well, I had secretly gone out to an environmental company. I won't mention for his sake. They, he was shot in the head, but he survived. So I'm kind of protecting his name. Uh, uh, there's news reports out there, which I have. Uh, uh, anyway, so um, they slid the report across the table and said, there's no toxins in your house. Well, I produced this half-inch thick study that this fellow had done, proving there were toxins in there and recommending our family evacuate. And I said, oh, there's nothing in the house. And I pulled out the, that report and I slid it across the table to them. And their eyes all bugged out and uh, uh, they, they were speechless. I said, read that. 
and then come back and tell me there's nothing in the house. And I walked out. Well, then, then it got even crazier. Finally, the chief comes to us and he goes, okay, we're, we want you to evacuate from your house. Go stay in the local hotel till we figure out what to do about this. So they evacuated the house and, and supposedly quarantined it. But before I left, just having been trained by them and knowing who they are, I trapped the house with tape seals. Oldest trick in the book. Tape seals on the doors and windows. I, put, I got a Radio Shack uh, voice-activated tape recorder, of all things. Uh, put it in the in the silverware holder on top of the refrigerator, and then a motion-activated uh, motion sensor. Rigged all that up, and we evacuated. We came back two days later to collect some of our clothes for the kids, and all five tape seals were broken. Uh, then I turned the tape recorder on, and you could hear someone coming in the door, turning off the motion siren, which means they would have had to know how to do that, and you could hear rustling around in the houses. So someone had been in the house. Uh, knowing that some toxins light up under UV uh, light, I went out and got a basically a black light, mm -hmm. went into our bedroom, put it up on the ceiling, and someone had come in and, and painted brush strokes of some chemical on the ceilings of the house, not thinking that we would see it, not knowing that I had a UV light. Uh, they had literally come in and painted chemicals on the ceilings inside the house while we were out. Uh, I, I found an attorney after five or six attorneys saying they were afraid to mess with the CIA. I finally found an attorney who had the guts. Clint, he, he, I'm withholding his last name because he started getting all kinds of calls after the after the news articles came out. Sure he did. And the sad part of that is, is Clint's a real hero. I mean, God willing, someday, you know, what he sacrificed will be known because he and he and George, our two attorneys, were what they they, they, they actually got the CIA to the to the uh, settlement table, which is almost unheard of. Anyway, um, so uh, he found out once I filed suit against the agency for personal injury of my family that the order was given by the CIA and by the chief there to burn the house down and destroy it. So he sent an official letter saying, that's destruction of evidence. You do that and we'll raise that publicly in court. So they left the house alone. I don't know if it's been burned down since. We haven't been back there since this all happened. Uh, so uh, it, it was clear what was going on. And of course, then they started going after me personally, uh, ordered me back to CIA, CIA headquarters. <clears throat> Excuse me, I went back there knowing that, that you know this was, a, this was war. Uh, we bought a house in Virginia, came back one night from church. That house had been broken into. The lock was broken. Our dog had been put to sleep. She always greeted us at the door. She was knocked out in her cage. The piano door was open, <clears throat> and if you're going to go in and try to find documents, most people hide them in their piano, and these people know that, so we had caught them folding the door down in our piano looking for things, and apparently caught them by surprise. So uh, that's, that's essentially what happened, and finally, I decided, okay, that's it. I'm coming out. I'm going to fight this on the outside. They bugged my computers. They were following every move I was making in headquarters. They bugged my telephone. They'd already broken into my house twice. So I told Clint, I'm coming out, we're going to fight this public, publicly. So we, we uh, presented the evidence to the judge who issued a gag order on, on us. And if, if you go to fortheloveoffreedom.net, that's fortheloveoffreedom.net, I have just published all those documents publicly. Um, in observe, there's National Whistleblower Day that they have every year. So in honor of that, I published all these documents I'm talking about on ForTheLoveOfFreedom.net, including the blacked out gag order, which when you see it, it's so blacked out, we didn't even know what we were gagged by. Oh my gosh. So it was kind of a trap. So we say anything that was blacked out, then they get us for violating the gag order and put me in jail. <clears throat> that was just the start. 
Now, this is when I begin to realize how the shadow government operates or the deep state. They have an entire system set up like this, <clears throat> excuse me, to silence whistleblowers and, and destroy them totally. And that's what I talk a lot about now. I just put my finger on exactly how they do it, what they do, and, and what whistleblowers can do. Um, so uh, it, it, it got uh, it got pretty nasty. So the judge issued a gag order. I have no idea what we were getting. They, they withheld it for two years, saying it was too sensitive for me to see my own gag order. Mm -hmm. Then what I got is blacked out. Still couldn't read it. I mean, this is how <laughs> the shadow government operates. If you go to my website or you go to documents provided to Congress by the CIA, you'll see they're usually mostly blacked out. That's what they do. It's the complete abuse of, of secrecy. I call it the tyranny of secrecy. They mm -hmm. just black things out, and Congress can never tell what's in there. So anyway, I know there's a lot here, but <clears throat> let me just let, let's summarize. So I had enough evidence presented that even though the judge issued the gag order, he said that there is too much evidence here. I'm ordering the CIA to a court-ordered legal mediation settlement in Washington, D.C. You, CIA, are going to sit down with the Schiff family, and you're going to settle this uh, based on their injuries. So we were like, I mean, that's almost unheard of. Mm -hmm. So we go to a mediated settlement, and this is, this is the clincher coming up. We go to a mediated settlement in D.C. by a former federal judge, a good guy, who, who mediated the process. We sat at the conference room table, and I presented my evidence uh, to the CIA lawyers and the CIA security officer sitting across the, uh, the table <clears throat> there to make sure nothing classified came out. Turned out I had served with him as an agent on the director's staff, so we knew each other. And as I went through my evidence, I remember looking across the table at him, and his jaw dropped when he, when he heard what the evidence that I, I had presented so uh, after four hours of mediation, the CIA attorney signed the legal settlement document. It should have been three times what we agreed to, but at least they signed the, uh, the legal settlement, and uh, we all thought it was done, that it was over, that they'd, they'd uh, settled for the damage that they'd done and the illnesses, and all of our property had to be destroyed, taken out of the house because it was contaminated, mm -hmm. including my children's toys, all destroyed and all burned, which was part of, of the settlement. So at least we thought, <clears throat> okay, it's, it's done. Three days later, my attorney, uh, Clint, gets a call from the CIA and the uh, legal officer, OGC officer, says, uh, Mr. Blackman, you need to advise Mr. Ship uh, that he, he, we will only accept a fraction, one-fourth of that settlement, which was a pittance. <clears throat> and uh, if Mr. Ship does not accept that settlement, the CIA will invoke the state secrets privilege, seal the case permanently, and, and then if Mr. Schiff or his family talks about it, then it's illegal. And uh, Clint called me and I said, uh, he said, I could, in all my legal practice, I've never seen anything like this, he said. I said, yeah, yeah welcome to the CIA. I said, Clint, call them back and, and tell them not only no, but H double toothpick no. You signed a legal settlement and you're going to stand by that. Well, uh, a, about five days later, the CIA invoked the state secret privilege, sealed all my evidence, all the doctor's diagnosis, all the all the environmental reports, the reports of the break-ins to our house, <clears throat> the, the affidavits that I had gotten from the guards ordered to destroy the reports of the break-in, <clears throat> under the state secrets privilege, sealed all that in court. So it was now a felony for me or my wife or any of my kids to talk about the evidence that we presented or our attorneys. That's how powerful the state secrets privilege is. Uh, and, and we could never, ever talk about the case again, is what we were told. Uh, and there will be no settlement. And so Clint called me, and he was uh, in absolute shock. So for the next, I guess, probably month, I thought, what am I going to do here? 
What am I going to do about this? Uh, I have never. I, you know, I knew the CIA was pretty dark, but in terms of constitutional violations like this and criminal activity like this, uh, I'd never seen anything like it. <clears throat> well, I saw it firsthand. So I finally, after a lot of prayer, mm-hmm. decided, no, 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 not in the constitutional government. This can't happen. So in 2012, I came out, <coughs> excuse me, publicly, <clears throat> and uh, and just and blew the whistle. On the, on the CIA, their abuse of the state secret privilege. You will see that document on ForTheLoveOfFreedom.net, which I just released two weeks ago, on them abusing the state secret privilege to cover criminal activity. So since then, I've come out, blown the whistle on what the CIA did, how they did it, uh, how they used the state secret, secret privilege, and I've been exposing the shadow government ever since. Okay, so folks, now you know. Uh, this gentleman I'm talking to, is the real deal. This story is just phenomenal. And I want to come back to a few points that you made before getting into so many other things that I really want to have you talk about today. One of those is the targeted individual issue. You were a target in NR, a targeted individual. Watched, monitored, house broken into, poisoned things, go through stuff. Now, is it legal for the CIA to break into someone's house, go through their stuff, leave poison, and I, I mean, how do they get away with that at all? Well, Daniel, those are multiple felonies, not to mention the fact that it's a direct violation of the Fourth Amendment. They are, they are breaking the law, and the supreme law of our country is the Constitution. And they're breaking the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution routinely. That is multiple felonies. These people are criminals, and they need to be indicted and charged for these things, which is one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing is to put a stop to what, to what, what they're doing. So can you explain the state secret's privilege and how that is some kind of legal recourse that created the conflict it did for you? Yeah, thank you, because uh, a lot of people don't know that that privilege is out there. The state secret's privilege has been used by the NSA to shut down any evidence about the NSA domestic spying program. They use the state secret privilege to seal that evidence. The state secret privilege, <clears throat> uh, as you, you would uh, imagine or surmise, was based, uh, the, the, the law was based on a lie. Back in 19, it was 1948, uh, a B-29 Super Fortress bomber uh, under a, a classified U.S. government program was flying over Waycross, Georgia, on its mission, and it turns out that what they were doing was testing drones. It was the first drone tests with this B-29. There were three RCA engineers on board. RCA was connected with some uh, pretty dark uh, companies over in the United Kingdom. Uh, there were three RCA engineers on board, and the, uh, the plane malfunctioned one of the engines, and uh, it crashed nose first into a farm in Waycross, Georgia. Uh, killing the three RCA engineers, um, one of the engineers, one parachuted to safety, was seriously injured. Anyway, so the widows of these three RCA engineers, and I interview one of them in my book, uh, Judy uh, Pyla Lothar, personally about about what happened to her. The the three widows uh, demanded, you know, we we wanted we wanted to know what what killed our husbands and our fathers. What happened? Well, the government comes back as as they have been doing as a matter of procedure for almost 60 years, the government comes back and says, well, we can't tell you what happened to your husbands because it was classified. Now, everyone out there, whenever you hear the government say that, question it. Uh, or it's, it's national security. Question it. 
The government has to prove those things. They use national security not as a term to protect and defend our security, but as a term uh, to protect themselves from what they're doing. So people need to understand that when they hear those terms. So the government tells the widows, uh, no, it's classified. You, you can't see any of the reporting. So they took them to court and uh, went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the court ruled that uh, the government had created the state's secret privilege, which came from a doctrine from the King of England, almost its exact wording. And in the King of England, any case against the king that the king didn't like, uh, he would shut down using the privilege of the monarchy. Well, that's where the wording for the state secret privilege came from. Now, I thought our country was supposed to get away from dictatorships and monarchies. Right. Here we got wording. This wording comes from the British monarchy that our government is now using. So anyway, the, the, the widows pressed, uh, pressed the, the case and the, the uh, in this case, the intelligence agency involved, invoked, created and invoked the state's secret privilege. The judge accepted it and they shut the case down and sealed all the evidence of the crash. And the widows were never told what happened to their husbands. Amazingly enough, the Air Force had published the crash report out on the internet. <clears throat> it wasn't secret at all, at all. It was completely unclassified. And I have that uh, in my, it's in my book. And you can also, you still find it on the website. It was an unclassified crash report that showed gross negligence on the part of the pilots. Engine went out, he overcompensated, uh, and drove the, the plane right into the ground. So the, the case was not even classified. The crash report was not even classified. So they created and used the state secret privilege based on a lie. And uh, the state secret privilege retains its power today as much as it did back then based on a lie, completely unconstitutional. <clears throat> George Tenet of the CIA used it more than any other CIA director in history as a weapon, not a shield. And of course it was used as a weapon against us. I have the actual rebuttal to the state secret privilege on ForTheLoveOfFreedom.net and you can see uh, how they how they hid the evidence, concealed the evidence uh, using that. So that's that's the, the basis of that. Now, I, I want you to talk about this as well because what what's shocking to me is that Congress has no oversight over the CIA. Right. Meaning that someone can't even appeal to their state representative if they have evidence of the CIA overstepping their boundaries in respect to their lives um, or, you know, seek justice through, I mean, any reasonable venue. Why is it that the CIA has no congressional oversight? Well, the CIA was created uh, under Truman uh, back in 1947. And in the National Security Act of 1947, there is no wording or, or authorization that gives the CIA the authority to conduct covert operations. None. Zero. It's not there. It's just assumed. So because of that, the CIA has expanded its dark operations to, to a huge global enterprise now that's incredibly, incredibly powerful. Truman <clears throat> later said, and I, I quote this in my talks, Truman later said that he deeply regretted approving the creation of the CIA because it was a rogue agency. And this is 1948 and 49, up in the 50s was already out of control, uh, conducting coups, killing people, assassinating people, drugging people, eventually with LSD. And Truman, in his later years, wrote an op-ed and, and made several speeches. He, he regretted the CIA because it was uh, it was outside circumventing our freedoms. So uh, um, he regretted doing so. So now uh, the CIA has, uh, for example, if they invoke the state secrets privilege, 
Not even Congress can see the evidence. I, I went to Congressman Frank Wolf, uh, a good Christian man, fantastic guy, and he took up uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, our case, and he went to the CIA seven times <clears throat> demanding an investigation, and seven times the CIA said, you have no right to see this information. This is the state secret's privilege. You can't see it, and you'll never be able to see it. So they locked Congress out. The CIA does, has the power to lock Congress out of evidence of their criminal activity, which they did in this case. They also manipulate Congress by not giving them clearances to have access to CIA things. They manipulate Congress by giving them document, documents that are completely blacked out, so Congress does, doesn't even know uh, what, what is in there. So the CIA manipulates Congress routinely. My gosh. Okay, um, now I want to bridge here, because there's a lot going on, obviously, in the news. Okay, uh, there's this Mueller investigation into Russia hacking our election, and this thing is just not going away. Uh, it, it, the news is just hammering, hammering, hammering on this point. No matter what else happens, this is on the front page. Um, can you talk to me about how the Trump-Russian connection started? Yeah, certainly. Uh, this goes all the way back to Uranium One, and uh, th this this I think will wind up probably being one of the biggest espionage cases in U.S. U.S. history uh, involving government officials. But when Uranium One was going on, <clears throat> Hillary Rodham Clinton, who who was, and I give a whole lecture on this, it's out on YouTube. They just demonetized it, but at least they haven't taken it down yet. Um, uh, Hillary Clinton's connection to the deep state. So Hillary Clinton um, in Uranium One actually while the Russians were, were doing espionage in the United States and Robert Mueller was in charge of counterintelligence, Hillary Clinton brokered a deal to sell 20% of our uranium and Russian officials, Ru Russian bankers, put $145 million into the Clinton Foundation account to, to uh, ensure that Uranium One went through. And Robert Mueller approved Uranium One while he was doing a Russian counterintelligence operation, knowing that $145 million was given by the Russians into Hillary Clinton's campaign, started there. So uh, enter Donald Trump. Now Hillary Clinton has a global crime syndicate that's connected into the deep state. She had a deep state CIA clearance going all the way back when she was first lady, which is illegal, by the way. So she's been plugged into CIA operations going all the way back then, and she knows it's the family jewels. Uh, and that's why John Brennan and Clapper, I think, are, are, are trying to keep her from being prosecuted for what she's done. So. Uh, it started with Uranium One and continued on, uh, and it continues today. The Clinton Foundation is the largest charity fraud in the world that's ever not been prosecuted. So we, we enter into Robert Mueller, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, and, and the rest. Donald Trump gets elected, and it shocks the Clinton Crime Syndicate, which is connected into the Democratic National Committee, which is no longer, it's not the old Democratic Party. You know, we were we were JFK Democrats, our family. I'm an independent now, was a Republican. Hmm. But the Democratic Party is no longer what the old Democratic Party was, which was which was good. Now it's largely leans towards a Marxist organization involved in money laundering and organized crime relating to the Russia collusion. So this is complex, so I'll try to boil it down. That's what I do in my lectures is I take a whole bunch of complex information and try to boil it down so people can kind of see it. Which, by the way, I just have to accentuate folks it, he does an outstanding job in his presentations again look him up after this interview go ahead thanks daniel uh so so uh what the the 
the Clinton syndicate does and the DNC does is they decide we've got to we got to take out Donald Trump because Donald Trump, whatever you think of Donald Trump, Donald Trump comes in and starts investigating the shadow government, the CIA, the NSA for spying on him, and the FBI for false FISA, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA court. Trump starts rocking the boat, rocking the deep state, big time. Now, Hillary Clinton connected to the deep state with her CIA clearance, her connections with Comey, her connections with CIA Director John Brennan, her connections with John with with uh, James Clapper. Uh, that's her deep state connection. So so all of them. I mean, this was a soft coup coming out of the CIA through John Brennan. They decide we got to take Trump out. Got so they come up with the Russia collusion thing. And where this started was the Hillary Clinton campaign through the DNC paid uh, Perkins Coie their law firm. For I think golly, I think it was we're up to. Something like $10 million, I think it was, to hire Fusion GPS to go to a British intelligence officer, Christopher Steele, to dig up dirt to destroy Donald Trump. And the amazing thing that you will not hear in the press is Christopher Steele, the British agent, uh, uh, went to a Russian source. And it was a Russian source. Uh, it, it appears a former Russian intelligence officer. A Russian source gives Christopher Steele this false information about Donald Trump in the so-called dossier. All fake, all came from a Russian, passed to Steele. Steele brought it back to John McCain. John McCain, I call him the shadow senator. He's as dirty as, as a uh, an old fish. Uh, uh, just gave it to McCain. McCain took it to CIA Director John Brennan and FBI Director James Comey. They used that false information uh, uh, to uh, the FBI, to James Comey, to uh, give a false affidavit warrant to the FISA court, the secret FISA court, to get approval for spying on Carter Page and the Donald Trump campaign. So they used information from a Russian that was fabricated through a British spy that was given to CIA director John Brennan, who gave it to James Comey, head of, director of the FBI, who in with McCabe and others wrote a false affidavit submitted to the secret FISA court and got approval to spy on, electronically surveilled through the NSA, spy on Carter Page and the Donald Trump campaign. That's that's how that all came down. <sighs> okay. Um, before I go any further, which we are going to, can you just take a moment and explain to us how you distinguish between shadow government and deep state? Because you do this distinction that I don't really know t too many other people do because it's not clear in all of our heads as to who's pulling what strings, who's in charge of what. So, so what is the difference between these two groups? That's a, that's a great question, uh, Daniel. A lot of people out there talking about the deep state and writing books about it, and, I, and they're all good. They're all good. Uh, Dr. Jerry Corsi wrote one. Some other people have written some, some really good books about the deep state. Uh, but the deep state and the shadow government are not one and the same thing. I know the shadow government because I was in the shadow government. And and uh, let me break it down. The, uh, the, the shadow government and the deep state are two different entities, but they're connected directly in, in a matrix system. The shadow government is the intelligence agencies, the CIA and the NSA specifically, and they function with the power of secrecy. That is their power. They use secrecy to conduct operations that the American people don't know about. The deep state is the military-industrial complex, and all of the the lobbyists and, and others who uh, manipulate Congress to get contracts for defense contractors and things. 
and the deep state is the entire military industrial complex and, and it's ironic that eisenhower called it the military industrial congressional complex but they talked him to taking the congressional part out well congress is right in there with the deep state with their PACs, super PACs, lobbyists and i talk about that in my election so the deep state is the military industrial complex and all the billions of dollars in defense contracts that it gets uh, from the government. Now, the, the, the deep state, however, is manipulated by the shadow government because the shadow government, CIA specifically, they did this with Amazon. They have a, the CIA has a $600 million contract with Amazon now for cloud, investigating the cloud. You can imagine where that's going to go. So, so the CIA will go to uh, Lockheed Martin, for example, and uh, enter into a multi-billion dollar contract, but that contract will be secret under CIA secrecy. So the CIA will tell the deep state Lockheed Martin, you are now under CIA secrecy, uh, you have to function by our rules, and everything you do has to be done in secret, you cannot violate your secrecy oath <clears throat> or face prison. So the deep state military industrial complex and their lobbyists uh, and all their power are now being manipulated by the secret secrecy of the shadow government. So the shadow government's power is through secrecy, and the deep state's power is through money, greed, lobbyists, and other things. The two are separate, but they're intricately connected together because the shadow government typically uh, has uh, has the power of secrecy over some of these deep state actors. So what happens when a former director of the CIA, like George Bush, becomes president of the United States. What does that really mean? What that means, Daniel, is you have the CIA sitting in the Oval Office. Thank you for saying that. Um, okay. Coming back to our conversation on Mueller, the Russia issue, and all of that. Uh, in your best estimation, is Robert Mueller a white hat or a black hat? And uh, Robert, what else is he connected to? I, I'm sorry, Dan. Yeah, yeah, good question. Robert Mueller's a black hat. <clears throat> uh, the lecture I did on the Clinton crime syndicate connection to the deep state in Texas that's that's still out there, at least for now, on my YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's also posted on, on the website. Uh, Robert Mueller has been a Clinton fixer going all the way back to the Whitewater investigation case. And I'll give you one example. Uh, HSBC Bank, which we now know was laundering drug money from Central America via the CIA, was caught criminally laundering this money and charged with criminal violations. Uh, they should, the, the CEOs and board of directors were witting of that, and they should have been charged for money laundering and gone to prison. Well, guess who was in charge of the HSBC investigation? Robert Mueller. He didn't charge any of them. Guess who was on the board of directors of HSBC? James Comey who could have been charged for his knowledge also. Robert Mueller let them all walk and charged no one. That's where Robert Mueller starts. Then we go to Uranium One. Robert Mueller let Uranium One happen, even though it was a major counterintelligence case. And uh, thanks to WikiLeaks, we now know that Robert Mueller secretly carried a sample of uranium over to Moscow to meet with the Russians regarding uranium. It's pretty obvious now that Robert Mueller has, it's clear, he only had one intention and one intention only, and that's to bring down Donald Trump. Mueller's best friends with Comey. He is a deep state actor and a shadow government actor from the word go. He's a Hillary Clinton fixer. And as I, I say often on Twitter, he needs to be fired now. Uh, I mean, it's, it's past the point 
where it's pretty clear what he's doing. He's found no evidence of collusion whatsoever, and now he's going off and trying to charge people like Donald Jr. and others because he can't get Donald Trump because there is no collusion. The collusion was done by the Clinton syndicate. So when it comes to Donald Trump Jr., who's just getting hammered now, uh, where do you see that going? I, I mean, is this setup going to hold long enough to, I mean, really push some deep state agenda forward or you think it's going to fall apart? What's going on? Well, it's one of the last straws they're trying to grab this meeting with the Russian lawyer that happened in Trump Tower. And they're trying to, since, since Mueller knows that he can't get Trump on, on obstruction of justice now, that's where he was going. Mm. But it, you know, Rosenstein, Rosenstein fired Comey, not Trump. There's no way he's going to prove an obstruction of justice. So now he knows he can't get him for that. So now he's going after conspiracy to defraud the, the federal government. Another fake charge the FBI likes to throw around. So they go to Don Jr. Ah, Don Jr. met with this Russian attorney and to dig up dirt on Hillary, and, and uh, that's conspiracy. And Now, I taught conspiracy in college, and what conspiracy is, it's an agreement between two or more people to commit a crime mm -hmm. uh, with some in, in, instrument like money or something else. And then the question is, was John Don Jr. conspiring with the Russians to try to bring down Hillary? The answer to that is no. But they're making it look like that because that's the next straw they got to grab. It's it, it was it's clear from all accounts that nothing transcribed in that meeting relating to any information on Hillary Clinton or Russia. This lady was an advocate for restoring uh, adoption of Russian kids between Russia and the United States. The interesting point, Daniel, is before the Trump Tower meeting. This attorney met with uh, Fusion GPS uh, leader Glenn Simpson, who was responsible for the fake Russian dossier. After the Trump Tower meeting, uh, the Russian attorney met again with Glenn Simpson, kind of like a debrief. Uh, he's the author of the fake Trump dossier. So you got kind of an operational sandwich going on there, it appears, from Fusion GPS and some of the Clinton operatives trying to set up Donald Trump Jr. now on a conspiracy charge. Uh, it's going to be real tough. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, he, he, there's no conspiracy there whatsoever. It's not going to fly. But that's where they're going with the press now. And, of course, the, the mainstream media, which is connected to the deep state, by the way. We gave a talk on that last night on Patreon. They're, they're running with it because that's their new uh, attack dog is, is conspiracy. Okay. Uh, last question on this subject. Do you believe that Paul Manafort and Rick Gates were plants into the Trump campaign? Um, Paul Manafort, no, I don't. There were plants. We know that there were counterintelligence agents planted in the campaign, which is bad in and of itself. Uh, I don't think Manafort or Gates were. Sadly for them, I think they probably got some shady financial deals in their past uh, that wouldn't have come out without the collusion uh, 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 accusation. Uh, no, I, I don't think they were plants. I think they were businessmen that wanted to get on the Trump train. And sadly for them, the investigation shifted over to them. There were uh, intelligence agencies planted in the Trump campaign. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And this is how, how the FBI does it. The FBI has been corrupt for so long. I worked with them on counterintelligence cases. The agents are fantastic people. Wonderful. We, we, did, we worked great together, exchanged war stories. Just had a great time. FBI management is as corrupt as, as it comes. Mm. They even leaked the case, a counterintelligence case that we had to the press to cover themselves because they botched it. I mean, they'll do anything, anything to protect the FBI. And that's what we're seeing here with Robert Mueller, especially. 
so 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 that's where, where that went. Uh, the the FBI senior management is corrupt from the core. So this is what they do: is they plant agents in the Trump campaign, but they call it a counterintelligence investigation. Because if you do that, you don't have to abide by criminal statutes. If it was a criminal investigation, what they are doing would be illegal. But since it's a counterintelligence investigation, you don't have to abide by criminal uh, statutes and rules of evidence. Uh, and that's that's craftily how how the uh, FBI and Comey and Mueller got away with it. This is incredible, incredible. Okay, so I want to come back to Hillary Clinton. And, and here's the truth. You, you have a lot to say about this individual and her husband. And um, with good reason, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, which I believe is true, is that their uh, charity, quote, around that organization is, is just so highly corrupt. Okay, um, I, I will tell you this. Before the election took place, I was at a conference and a survivor of certain government projects, including MKUltra stuff, it came up to me and uh, they had a uh, alternate personality up, freaking out, um, crying and t talking to me about how they were in so much danger if Hillary Clinton did not get elected president because everyone was going to get in trouble. Um, and of course, at that time, I'd already realized that, and this part, this alternate personality was speaking on behalf of the, the group that they were involved with. And I think that that clearly connected into the deep state. Um, I know it did. And so anyway, uh, I knew that Hillary Clinton from the beginning was a play uh, by the deep state to maintain power. And if she didn't get in, into office yeah. or right. Jeb Bush didn't get into office because I was told he was their first choice from the Republican side. Right. Um, things were going to get choppy and uh, lo and behold, Trump gets into office. So now I want to talk about Hillary Clinton a little bit more um, and the shadow government that has covered up her crimes. I mean, what more can you tell us? Yeah, it is so obvious that uh, Americans, Hillary Clinton, and I talk about this in the Texas speech, I go through the actual felonies she's committed under Title 18 and the espionage laws. Uh, the, the, this is hard, fast evidence. The woman has committed espionage with a secret server where she was communicating U.S. government classified business unknown to the Department of State on a secret server that nobody except Barack Obama knew about. Uh, that, and, and it turns out that every single email that she wrote was going directly to China also. So uh, she, she should be in jail for espionage for starters. Then when the investigation starts, she erases all of her emails, uh, high, brings a company in that uses BleachBit to erase all the hard drives. I think she, she deleted, these were subpoenaed emails, subpoenaed devices from Congress and from the investigation, she destroys them all, erases the emails, bleach bit, erase all of her hard drives, and then smashes all the Blackberries with hammers so there's no evidence of what she did. Uh, so on top of espionage, now you have obstruction of justice. And on and on, this woman has committed multiple felonies. And then, and if you watch my speech, I, I demonstrate the connection between Clinton and Comey. Uh, he's as close to a CIA operative as anything I, I have seen. 
But Comey has protected Clinton all, since Whitewater all, all the way up. He's her fixer. That man's dirty. Um, so, uh, so Comey comes, number one, the FBI director doesn't come out public and talk about an investigation. Number two, he went around Loretta Lynch, which is insubordination. And number three, he's got the gall to go before Congress and say that he's not going to charge Hillary Clinton for multiple felonies and espionage violations uh, because they couldn't find intent. Intent is nowhere in those statutes. And yes, you can find intent. So the FBI deep state actually protected Hillary Clinton's multiple felonies, Robert Mueller, Rod Rosenstein and Comey had been looking into the Clinton Foundation. They ignored those felonies. All they ignored all of her felonies and let her walk. That shows you how deeply she is connected to the shadow government. Then John Brennan, who by the way voted for the Communist Party in his past and converted to Islam when he was chief of station in Saudi Arabia, which is why Obama appointed him. Then John Brennan comes out and starts this soft coup about this Russia collusion thing to try to bring Trump down and save Hillary Clinton. You can see the magnitude of control that this woman has and the magnitude of the connections that she has. The question comes up all the time, well, how can she control people like this? Well, number one, it's an international crime syndicate. Number two, it involves billions of dollars. And number three, Hillary is pretty adept at uh, collecting dirt on people. Uh, I, in my humble opinion, if you look at the Lolita Express and uh, Orgy Island and the flights that Bill Clinton took to uh, uh, underage uh, uh, human trafficking. Um, Jeffrey Epstein was convicted of, of child trafficking, and Clinton went to his island 21 times. I, I think it is pretty clear to me that uh, they have uh, quote unquote dossiers on people and members of Congress. For example, you get on Epstein's plane, uh, the person engages with, uh, say, a 12 year old girl, and Epstein films and photographs the whole thing. Hmm. Then later on, when that congressman or senator, former president, what have you, uh, tries to buck the system or oppose Hillary, they just remind that person uh, of those photographs that they have and what they did. That plus some of the pedophilia that's gone on in Congress, uh, which some has come out in, in the open. The former mm -hmm. Speaker of the House, Dennis Hastert, was convicted of, of uh, serial pedophilia. He was the number three in line for the president. So that's a big part of it, in my opinion. They've got these people financially blackmailed. Contributions are going into their campaigns for re-election from people that are connected to the Clinton crime syndicate and the deep state, and that's how they're controlling things. What is it going to take for a Hillary Clinton to get indicted? It's going to take Donald Trump, and it's going to take Jeff Sessions, who I'm really upset with uh, right now because he should have been on this Maybe he is. To give him the benefit of the doubt, I know that the FBI has to dot every I and cross every T, but, but, but my point is every I has been dotted and every T has been crossed with Hillary Clinton's felonies. What more do you need to do? I'm upset with Sessions. Uh, he should have done something. Why? I, I know I've been told that he's, he's, uh, he thinks he's being bugged and surveilled uh, by the deep state in his office, and I think he's probably right. But Okay, grow a spine. You know, do it anyway. I mean, welcome to my world. You know, Just do it. But he's not. It's going to take Donald Trump. It's going to take Jeff Sessions or his replacement to open the investigation and file charges. And then it's going to take the appointment of a special counsel to investigate Comey, McCabe, Rosenstein, Fusion GPS, Bruce Orr, and everybody else connected with that. Those, that's, those things have got to happen. Beforehand, before Trump was elected, they never would have seen the light of day. Now it is real possible over time, and with Giuliani there, it's real possible 
that that indeed could happen. Okay. Um, do you have anything to say about Obama and connections to the deep state? Uh, Barack Obama, I have a, a lecture out there you can find it on that called uh, The Subversion of America, where I get into Barack Obama. Uh, Barack Obama was a groomed, planted candidate for the White House. And all you have to do is look at his trail. All the millions that came into his uh, campaign from secret sources, nobody knows where that money came from. His uh, college transcripts have all been sealed. No one can see where he went to the university, what he studied. They can't find any of his classmates uh, that will confirm that he was there. Uh, he is directly tied into the Muslim Brotherhood, which is the oldest terrorist organization in the world. And when Barack Obama was, was elected, a lot of people don't know this, he appointed five acting members of the Islamic Muslim Brotherhood to national security positions inside the U.S. government. Barack Obama did that. Barack Obama attended all the Muslim holidays when he was in office and ignored all the Christian holidays, refusing to attend any of them. Uh, he was a subversive candidate. He's plugged directly into the CIA, who I think groomed him to help get him in there. Uh, we, all of us were, deep, especially those of us from counterintelligence, were so deeply concerned that there was actually a plant in the White House, and I, I'm convinced that there was. Uh, uh, he is a dark operator, and he's, he's been connected to the shadow government, deep state, going all the way back before he was a senator. And we know his mentor was Frank Marshall Davis, who was an avowed Marxist communist. Uh, and we think connected to the CIA, going all the way back to his roots. He's, he's got this kind of dark ops uh, ugliness attached to how he got to the president. It's just amazing how they pulled it off. And what they did, Dan, they used us all, because all of us wanted to see a black president get elected to put things right in, in America. You know, we, everybody wanted that. That would have been a, a wonderful thing. Well, what did they do? They used us. They used all of us, and everybody's good desire for that, and they know exactly what they're doing, and they use that at the perfect time to put their man in the White House. All right. Um, I want to talk about uh, Benghazi with you a little bit because, and this does come back to Hillary Clinton, you know, th this is still a, a big question mark in the minds of some people. I think there's been a lot of false information put out about Benghazi, misleading stories. I, I'm still not sure I'm clear myself on what really happened there. Uh, do you have anything to say about that story? Sure do. Uh, I sat on the Citizens Commission on Benghazi, and if you go to Accuracy on Media, I gave a speech asking uh, the, the people involved to come out public. And since then, uh, Tonto, Chris Peranto, uh, we, and we did a speech together. What an awesome guy, man. If you want to listen to Chris Brown and do it, cause it you'll, you'll be glad you did. So Chris eventually came out, and now he's writing books and giving speeches. And I'd recommend if he's talking, go see him, because he's, he's a riot. Uh, but what was happening was uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, unbelievably, the Department of State, Hillary Clinton was running guns secretly into Benghazi. And she had used Saudi Arabia and Qatar to supply the weapons so that she wouldn't be attributable for, for providing the guns themselves. And then using uh, the ambassador, Christopher Stevens, they were running these guns into Tripoli and Benghazi so they could arm the quote-unquote free Syrian army to topple Syria, which of course has a lot of oil and gas. So Hillary Clinton was literally in violation of U.S. and international law running guns into Tripoli, into Benghazi. Those guns wound up in the hands of the free Syrian army, the moderate rebels. There's no such thing as a moderate Islamic rebel. 
their, their, their whole platform is an Islamic caliphate ruling the world, even the moderates. So that's a misnomer. But, but then the Free Syrian Army turns out several, um, many of the weapons went into the hands of guess who? Al-Qaeda. And many of the weapons, the arms and the missiles, then went into a new organization just created called ISIS. So those guns came from Hillary Clinton through Saudi Arabia, Qatar, into Benghazi, to the Free Syrian Army, to Al-Qaeda, and then to ISIS. And ISIS has been killing people with U.S. weapons. It's so frustrating. Yeah, that's why, hey, hey, hey uh, Dan, that's why I go to church, man, on Sunday, so I can clean all this out of my head. <laughs> it's, it's just so frustrating, you know. And, and I, I mean... I, 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 I go through this kind of information regularly. I haven't been able to do as much research more recently because I personally have been so um, bombarded with requests um, for help and ministry and been writing and building a school and everything. But, you know, what these criminals get away with, it, it's hard to wrap your imagination around. Yeah. Okay. Now, can you take a little bit of time to explain uh, the CIA's role in the greater intelligence community, both nationally and internationally, how it connects into um, other organizations uh, like the Trilateral Commission, maybe into Bilderberger Group and, and their agendas, how is the CIA seated in the midst of some of this secrecy? Well, the CIA controls virtually, you know, they call them the Five Eyes, the other intelligence uh, services, and then there's the Nine Eyes, the secondary ones in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia. That the, the CIA has got its tentacles in every intelligence organization all over the world. And once the CIA brings that intelligence service in, they sign CIA secrecy oaths, and now they are under the control of the CIA. And if they violate that, there's going to be consequences. Uh, so they do it that way. Now, the CIA's job is to penetrate every organization and gather information and lie to do that. So they're in banks. Uh, you can, they're in the Bilderberg Group without, without question. Any elite group, uh, any elite bankers, the CIA has people in there because their job is to monitor uh, the world. Uh, and largely it's for, the, it's for the representing Wall Street and the bankers for oil, mineral assets in that country. And other things got nothing to do with national security. It has mostly to do with uh, in implementing the uh, the goals of, of uh, major U.S. business corporations in Wall Street. Syria is a prime example. They want that oil and that gas in Syria, uh, and and they make the the ridiculous claim that they want Assad out of power and put the Free Syrian Army in. So they want to take out Assad and put in a Muslim Brotherhood friendly Free Syrian Army in its place. Now that's stupid, so stupid that of course that's not what they're doing. What most people don't know, Daniel, is that Assad, in, in conjunction with uh, Vladimir Putin, was the only Middle Eastern government that was protecting the Christian communities. Hmm. They were protecting them, they were providing them with security, they were allowing them to, to uh, practice their religion freely without any Muslim persecution, and Assad, along with Putin's concurrence, erected a statue, a 100-foot statue of Jesus in this Christian city to support the Christians. Do you hear that anywhere on the media? Of course not. Does the CIA ever talk about that? Of course not. Christianity and the CIA do not mix. In, anyway, so, so the Free Syrian Army, Army, trained and sponsored by the CIA, 
goes into Syria and massacred an entire Christian village. Didn't touch the Muslims, they killed the Christians. This is a CIA-backed organization. Now, now, as what an abomination, what was encouraging to me, and I told my wife this before it happened, we'll see who, who Trump really is. We'll see if he continues to back the Free Syrian Army. And I think it's about three months ago now, Trump came out publicly, uh, issued an order and said the U.S. will no longer support the Free Syrian Army in Syria. I turned to my wife and I said, Yahoo! That's one, <laughs> one of the signs that he's doing it. Uh, but that's what was going on. That's what the CIA has been doing around the world. It is all over the world. It's in most of the major foreign newspapers. It's in our newspapers. It is a global monster with its tentacles all over the place. And, Daniel, it is using our tax dollars to do that in a budget that is secret and Congress can't even see. Okay. Now, you said something is just so key. It's a key. You said the CIA represents international bankers, Wall Street, and corporations. Yes. Now, that's significant because our entire financial system is overseen by international banking interests. That's correct. Because they own all of the leverage on the Federal Reserve, which is no more federal than Federal Express, and if our Congress decides that we need more cash in our economy, they have to pay interest in the form of these, you know, bonds and notes, whatever that they sell to the bankers in order for them to print our money. Now, if, the, right. if the CIA is representing the international bankers, then that sounds like treason to me. Well, I think the CIA is clearly engaged in treason. Uh, uh, you know, no, no CIA officer will say that. I say that because, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I certainly wasn't looking for, for this mission that I'm doing, but I'm absolutely convinced that this is kind of my calling for the rest of my days here. Uh, uh, in 1913 is when we essentially uh, begin to lose our Constitution or essentially lost it with the creation of the Federal Reserve and putting money in the, in the hands and control of foreign banks uh, U.S. and foreign banks through the Federal Reserve. We lost our Constitution. Well, a little bit before that, even with some other things, but dramatically in 1913, we lost our, our constitutional freedoms, the Americans did financially, through the creation of the Federal Reserve. Okay. Um, so, if there is going to be a, uh, a cleaning up of the swamp, as, as it was called during the campaigning that Trump went through, what does cleaning or draining draining the swamp look like in respect to the CIA, in respect to the deep state, and in respect to the Federal Reserve? I mean, what does that mean? Outstanding question, Daniel. Uh, for starters, it means that people have to get Congress back as their representatives. Because a lot of congressmen are deep staters, both Republican and Democrat. Our deep staters. We've got to get Congress back. The way to do that, because they're the only representatives the people have, and they're they're already bought and paid for, and there many are connected into the deep state and the shadow government with what's called the Gang of Eight. So people need to start demanding, uh, demanding that their congressmen stop supporting the deep state, start challenging the CIA's unbridled power of secrecy and and dark dark operations, 
that a, that a new uh, clause be written into the National Security Act of 1947 prohibiting the CIA from engaging in covert operations without congressional approval. That's probably the most important thing right there. Write that into the National Security Act that, that uh, any covert CIA operations must have congressional approval before the CIA can engage in them. Then there needs to be real intelligence oversight committees. Uh, the intelligence, well, we have, a, we have the, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and we have the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. They oversee the CIA and the NSA to make sure they don't do any bad things. Biggest scam uh, ever presented. I know from the inside that people would go to the intelligence committees to question about a case and there was a closet where the members of the committee had thrown these investigations and they were piled up and they were doing a thing about them. No senator or congressman, woman on the intelligence committee is going to challenge the CIA deeply because it will be the end of their congressional career. So they, they make a show trial. An example, if you look at all the congressional inquiries lately, these great orations by Jason Chavez, great ones, great orations by Trey Gowdy, but has anything been done? No, nothing. Nothing has, nothing has happened and nothing has been done. So uh, we need new intelligence oversight. We need new intelligence oversight committees that actually do have investigative power into the CIA and the NSA. The whole thing needs to be uh, uh, undone and redone and people put in those positions that are objective that will investigate the CIA with no uh, career retribution. Have those, all those things I just mentioned have to be done. Do you have hope that this is possible? I have a small ray of hope. <laughs> small ray? I mean, you yeah, have to be yeah. driven by something to do what you're doing. So. <laughs> well, you know, you can go back to this. That this country was created by a small band of Christians who landed. Most people don't know. They landed in Jacksonville, Florida. Hmm. And the first thing they did is get, there's a monument there, unknown to most people. The first thing they did was they got down and they prayed and they dedicated the land to the Lord, their God. They were, they were Christians. And then where they claimed uh, the Spanish landed down in St. Augustine, those Spanish came, came up and massacred the entire uh, Christian village. But, so America, as we know, was founded on prayer. It was founded to get away from religious persecution. That's its inception. And look, what, look at the result of those prayers, not just of the original folks who landed on the beaches, but also some of the founding fathers and the pastors involved in the Declaration of Independence. Look what their prayers did. Hmm. Here we are now with the greatest nation in the world, with the greatest governing document ever written by man. So my point is, this started in prayer, and this can be fixed through prayer. The deep state can be hamstrung through prayer. I gotta be honest with you, Daniel, back uh, before I went into the CIA, I, all I wanted to do, because I'd been given six weeks to live and a bunch of good believers prayed for me. I didn't have any kidneys, I was bleeding internally. These people prayed and I got my kidneys back. Uh, that was over 40 years ago. Right. I'd been given six weeks to live. So that'll kind of change your view of things. <laughs> so ever since then, I've got a, a very great respect for, for the scriptures and, and the Bible. And, I, and that's why I do what I do. Because as you do, I answer to a higher authority. And I believe in prayer, man. I'll tell you, I believe in it. And I believe uh, the connection here, and, and I'm seeing this all over the place, the connection for the hope of the future of this country lies in Christians and believers who know how to pray. Not only pray, but finally standing up and being vocal. Uh, we've been so good for so many years, we didn't want to get involved, and, and the dark side has used those years to build this empire that they have now. So now believers are standing up like the prophets did to the kings in the Old Testament. The believers are standing up to the shadow government, deep state, and saying, oh, no, you don't. Not anymore. That together with their prayers, that can change it.
And I believe the same thing. Exactly. And, it, you know, uh, when, when you look at the Bible, biblical worldview, you realize that there is a kingdom of dark spirits and dark powers that is behind everything manifesting in the physical realm. And what we've found is that as people, uh, particularly from the bloodline families, begin to renounce their connections into the dark world, um, the dark world loses power yep. at the top level. Yep. And yep. Uh, this is why we do things that Bride Ministries like put out all these prayer resources to untether from things. And I actually have a, 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 a prayer um, that we're going to be putting out soon called Freedom from Earth Systems. And uh, it, it actually works to get people set free from c- corporate entities. Uh, if yeah. a person yeah. is uh, in bondage to something like Microsoft or Apple or yeah. these corporate entities, there's a way to untether from them and um, depower them in the process. If they're, you know, trading on your God-given inheritance, it's just crazy how some of these things intertwine in the spirit and it's prayer that breaks that. And, um, you know, folks, I, I, I am just uh, so excited to have been able to introduce you to Kevin Ship, You know, Kevin, there's so much more I want to talk about, but I think what I'm going to have to do is invite you back because uh, it's just this, this, what we've talked about has been so much and so concise and so good um, right here. Sure. And you know, let, let's do it again. Be glad to. Because, I, you know, I want to get into the whole uh, MK Ultra piece with you. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's a whole other conversation. Uh, yeah. The mind control, CIA assets, um, and, and, and these kinds of things. And so, you know, folks, I want you to know that Kevin has a book, okay? It's called From the Company of Shadows. I have it. I'm reading it right now. I've, and, and, and it's really good. Uh, it's really good. Um, it's an introduction into his world, his experiences, and also a lot of knowledge that's going to help you figure out what's going on in this world. Um, and it's, it, it's going to make you laugh at some points because, you know, Kevin, some of your stories are just really good. So uh, the, the book is called From the Company of Shadows. I recommend it. Um, his website, which he put out several times, and I'm going to repeat now. For the love of freedom.net. And of course, he has uh, lectures there. He has declassified or documents that he's released for our uh, ingestion. Um, is there anything that you want to say before we end this uh, program? Yeah, thank you, Daniel. As you mentioned, MK Ultra, this uh, Thursday night at 7 p.m. with Crowdsource the Truth on Patreon. We're going to be doing a, se- a segment on MK Ultra with a professional who has been treating these people, and she's written a book. We're going to have her on. It's going to be a very interesting discussion. So I'd recommend that to people. And, and, and secondly, as, as you said so well, there's a spiritual side to this, a spiritual war. Uh, we can see the evil that's coming out through these things. And as Paul wrote uh, in Ephesians, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that, if that doesn't describe what's going on better than anything else, I don't know what does. And that's why believers are so important here, to stand up in prayer and intercession and to stand up with their voice uh, as a hope for the future of this country. So uh, I just say God bless everybody out there. Uh, stay with you. Keep praying, and, and uh, let's, all, let's all stand together. <laughs>
Thank you, Kevin. Folks, we've been talking with Kevin Ship. I find him. Folks, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com.